listening to More Than Potential, the podcast. I'm your host, Faith. Hey, guys. <laughs> I hope you're doing well. Long time no see. I'm just kidding. Like, literally, I released an episode last week. But I just wanted to report back on how things are going for me. I start my new job next week, and I'm, like, really excited, but also kind of nervous. So wish me luck on that. I um, I think, is there really anything else going on? Honestly, not really. Like, I think my life is pretty chill so far. I've been relaxing, resting. Uh, I've been, I guess, injecting new life in my business. And so I've been taking some time off. So I've been doing that. I've just been, you know, living life and having a good time. Um, I am headed to my friend's wedding. So that should be fun. I'm super excited to be one of her bridesmaids. And it'll be really nice to just to see like, all of my friends from college again. So yeah, good times are being had by all. Um, I hope you guys are having a good, I guess a good week. And I hope that you're remaining safe during these unprecedented times. So this episode, I specifically wanted to talk about my experience in college. And this all started just because, you know, I'm planning to go to my friend's wedding and I'm supposed to be in it. And we met when I was in university, I think in like 2016. So yeah, I've known this, some of the same people since 2016. And we've been, I guess, friends ever since. And it got me thinking about my college experience and some of the stuff that I learned. Uh, I feel like I went through quite a bit. And maybe perhaps you guys would be interested in learning some of the lessons or hearing about some of the stories that I have from back in the day. I thought, I don't know, I thought you guys might want to hear about it. <laughs> so, okay, 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 let me start from the beginning. So, what was college like for me? Um, I do remember feeling kind of nervous when I was in, when I was like preparing to go to school. So, I started university when I was in 2014, when I was like 18 years old. And I remember the biggest question that I had was, how am I going to make friends? It was just, I know that's a weird question, but I feel like I used to get that question a lot when I was older. And I can relate because it was one of the main things I was concerned about. When you're 18 years old and you're planning on living in the campus dorms, like you're, I was planning on living on campus, right? I had no idea what to expect. I had no idea what the social scene was going to be. I had seen a lot of like TV and, and movies. A lot of TV shows show kids who are going to college and having, you know, a bunch of boyfriends and going to parties and they always end up dating at least one person in a, in a fraternity. I thought that was going to be my experience. And so I was kind of nervous about that, but you know, the way that TV and, and movies show this, it's always someone super attractive, I guess. And they just make friends with their roommate in college. And they have this serendipitous experience where they just meet people by chance or at random, and then they all become friends. And it seemed a little unbelievable to me. Like, I didn't believe it. I'm like, there's no way <laughs> that people are just meeting kids 
out of nowhere in college and they become lifelong friends. Like it, it, it's not, it's not a thing. There's no way I call cap, but that's actually how it happened for me. Yeah. I would say that I would say I met people coincidentally over the years and they became my friends. It was kind of by coincidence. It wasn't really like something that I would say happened inorganically. So I guess I got to start by saying how I actually met people. So when I went to school, I went to a state college. I remember moving into the campus dorms and how much of an ordeal it actually was. Like it was so much traffic. All the parents are moving kids into the dorms. And at least we had elevators. Some of y'all didn't have elevators in your dorms. We had elevators. So I felt good about that. But yeah, like I moved in, I met my roommate and I was just really confused. Like I remember being so confused, so like overwhelmed by the experience and I felt very shy. So I really didn't talk much the first like month or two of school. And I know that seems weird, but it was just because I felt so awkward and I didn't know what to do. And I guess also it helps that I had gone through a really traumatic summer because my parents had just separated and that was pretty crazy. And, you know, my dad at the time had told me that basically he wasn't going to help me with school. So financially, I was in a very difficult place. And I remember him saying that, you know, I'm not going to help you do anything. Like he refused to even help me buy sheets to put on my bed in the dorm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I was broke. I only had a little bit of money to get just the bare essentials that I needed. And then that was pretty much it. Like, I didn't even have decorations. If y'all can believe that. I didn't even have decorations. So I was really broke and I wore gym clothes every day. So I wore like gym shorts and a, like a t-shirt. Some of the free shirts that you get when you're a freshman and you, you get a lot of them. I used to wear like one of the free freshman t-shirts and a sports bra, and some gym shorts. And that was pretty much what I wore, and some tennis shoes. That's what I wore every single day. And I just remember feeling so like bad about myself because I was lower middle class, like I was pretty broke. And the girls around me were decorating their dorms and they had all these cute clothes. And I think that was when I really started to see the class differences. like. My freshman year of college showed me that I was poor in a way that I didn't know. Because I think the whole time I was just, I knew I wasn't rich, but I didn't think I was that broke until I moved to a different area and started to see, oh, these kids that grew up in Atlanta, they live a completely different lifestyle. So yeah, that kind of sucked. And I, I had a lot of insecurities around this too, because at that time I was also food insecure. Like I didn't really have enough for groceries most of the time. So I, when I ran out of snacks, I would just have to go to the campus uh, cafeteria. And what I would do is I would eat food. I would just pack it away. I would eat and eat and eat and eat until I couldn't eat anymore. And then I would stow away like an extra four or five hamburgers. Yeah, I would actually steal food from the campus cafeteria so I could take it home and then eat that for the rest of the weekend. Seriously, I that's how I actually ended up getting 
cavities for the first time in my life because I was eating foods and anything I could get my hands on that I could port safely and reliably put in my backpack and take with me. So anyway, I saw that to say um, I was insecure, food insecure, and just insecure emotionally. I was going through a lot. But I actually did make a few friends who lived like next to me. My roommate hated my guts. But outside of that, like I would say for the most part, I did meet a few friends actually. And, you know, I would say at the time I was still very lonely. I think your first year of school, you don't really know what's going on. So I remember I had thrown myself into my studies. So I would like study a lot. Excuse me. And I got really active in on-campus activities and groups. I did whatever I could because I just felt like I needed to get out of my dorm room. And the only way to do that is to get involved and get active in different groups and organizations. So I met people there too. But I was still, yet again, weird socially. I was just super weird socially. I didn't know how to interact with people. I did the best that I could though. And I feel proud of myself. I, I feel like despite you know, what I was going through at the time, I'm very proud of the way that I tried to navigate those situations despite all of my insecurities and despite, you know, what was going on at the time, I tried to remain positive. Um, weirdly enough, like I'm not saying I was perfect, but I tried to, you know, do, I did what I, I could, I did what I could, right? <laughs> so I know like if you're listening to this and you're like, that was an interesting experience, but maybe it doesn't reflect what I'm going through. Listen, if you're worried about making friends in college, you will. I was super socially awkward and I was very insecure. I was poor. I was definitely not considered attractive, but even I still made friends. So I think that you too can make friends, but you just got to get out there a little bit, get involved on campus, you know, talk to the people around you. So the people who live next door to you, talk to them, socialize with them. And that's assuming you live on campus. If you don't, it's totally fine. But <laughs> uh, yeah, if you're living on campus, that's the quickest way to make friends. But that being said, don't be surprised if like you don't stay friends with those people. Like, don't be surprised. It happens to pretty much everyone. Most people tend to make friends freshman year and end up socializing with a completely different group of kids when you become a senior. So just understand that. But yeah, um, I do remember too, I met some people living on campus, I think in the campus dorms. And this was different because they were like all, they lived in a different building than me, but they would sit in like the multi-purpose rooms and watch like movies and stuff. And that's how I came across them just because I was walking in the hallway and I saw them watching a movie or something like that. And this random girl invited me to go, to go like watch music videos and they were watching K-pop videos, believe it or not. So she invited me to go watch like K-pop music videos at her apartment. And that's how that started. <laughs> now, I'm actually friends with this girl to this day, by the way. I'm actually still friends with her. And it's crazy. Like I still have two friends from college that I knew when I was a freshman. So since 2014, I'm still friends with some of these girls. Now, most of them I've dropped off or we're not really like friends anymore, but a few I still am. So anything's possible. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I feel like if you don't live on campus, it's probably much harder. 
Yeah, I would definitely say it's definitely much harder to uh, build friendships as organically, but I guess it's still possible. You just have to take advantage of your surroundings. And maybe nobody tells you that, but if you don't live on campus and you're commuting from your parents' house or commuting from your apartment, you can still meet people, but you need to think about your surroundings. Talk to people in your classes. If you go to the campus cafeteria, talk to people there. Join... um, on-campus groups and organizations, do that too. Like do everything you need to do to make friends and just be seen, be social. And organically, you will meet people and befriend them. So I'm just saying, if you're the type of person who didn't make friends in high school or college, well, specifically college, it's because you did not get out your dorm room enough. You did not socialize with people enough. You actually have to put yourself out there. And I'm saying this as socially awkward and and anxious as I was. Like, I was not cool. Um, I wasn't popular. I didn't have cute clothes. I didn't go to parties. And even I still made a few acquaintances and friends from, from time to time. So just leaving that there. But aside from, like, making friends and living in the campus dorms, I feel like a universal experience in school is maybe realizing that your high school didn't prepare you in the way that you would have liked from an education standpoint. Now, I had a, I went to a really good high school, so I can't say that that was my experience, but I did know quite a few people who were not prepared for college because their high school was trash. So they get to college and they realize that the classes are harder than they were anticipating. That's a real experience. Now, I also think, too, it depends on your major. So I was an international relations major, but I started out as a political science major. I feel like if you're in biology or engineering, maybe mathematics, physics or something, I think those kids struggled a lot because their classes were much harder. And so specifically with like the kids who were trying to get into the nursing program, I noticed that they had these classes the first two years of school that were specifically structured to weed out the kids that couldn't cut it. So it was a very competitive program. And I think that, I think engineering was very similar. I think like you actually had to be accepted into the engineering program. So you had to get good grades for the first two years of school and then you were accepted. It was pretty rigorous and Some kids dropped out. And I I just wanted to point that out. Like, if you are having that experience and you're struggling academically, you're not alone. I think not everyone just gets to coast through their classes. Because I did. I definitely coasted through all my classes. I put in some effort, but it wasn't like substantial effort. I coasted for the first two years. And largely it was because of my high school. Like I went to a really good high school. So the classes was just another form of high school to me. And I'm not even that smart, guys. Like I'm not a genius. <laughs> I just, you know, study. I, I put in effort. Now, like I said, I was an international relations major. So if you are someone who has a more technical major, your experience will be different. But my general I guess, belief after being in college is you have to put in the work consistently. Even if the class is easy, 
you never want to let your studies pile up and your chapters that you are supposed to read, like assigned reading, you don't want that to pile up. You want to stay ahead if at all possible, because even easy classes can become more difficult when you are behind on your work. I also would say part of putting in consistent effort is going to class office hours. So if your teacher has assigned office hours, which they usually do, go to them at least once a week to socialize with the professor, to see which other students are going, and to potentially get insights into how the class is structured. I would even go so far as to say going to office hours actually helped me get scholarships, helped me get internships because the professors would have connections to different groups and they would know how to help. And I just want to make that clear, like you have so many opportunities that you're unaware of because you're not talking to your professors enough. So make sure you're on a first name basis with your professors. They're usually really nice and make sure that you set yourself apart as being a student who tries. Like you don't have to be perfect. Like you don't have to have the best grades. The point is that you try. The point is that you ask questions, you're engaged in class, you take good notes and you go to office hours regularly. Once you do that, there's no way you're gonna get anything less than a B in that class most of the time, just because of how much effort you're putting in. Now granted, if you're in the sciences, I get it, I get it, it's different, but the the same thing still applies. Put in the effort where it's needed and it will return in dividends. You want to be known as a hard worker, you know what I mean? And two, like, once, I'm true, like, once you establish that reputation as being a hard worker, the other kids in the class will know this and you will make friends, 100%. Like, especially the high achievers, they're looking to find other friends who are high achievers as well. So if you are someone who puts in consistent effort in the class and you go to office hours, other smart kids in the class who are looking to do well are going to notice you and they will befriend you. But you're not going to get on their radar if you're not actually putting effort in the class. Just my two cents. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Y'all severely underrate the value your professors have. That's probably the most number one overlooked resource in colleges across the country. Um, So, yeah, I would say, like, definitely your courses and the classes that you're taking are super important. And that actually leads me to my next point. So when I was in school, right, I did not know until my junior year that just having good grades is not enough. Like, don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. I knew I had to do an internship, right? But beyond that, I thought if I did one internship and had good grades, I would be fine. When the reality is school is much more competitive these days. So if you want to stay competitive, You have to stand out. So it's not just what you're doing, but also the quality of the work and the depth of of real world knowledge that you're developing. For example, if you want to succeed in life, you have to put forth significant effort where it counts and talk to the right people. And I feel like with your courses, it's really important to focus on getting the skills that you think are going to be marketable in the business world. And I don't just mean what's directly applicable to your major. So for example, if you're someone who's an engineer, right? Let's say you're going to school for engineering. 
I would focus on doing your engineering classes, but mix that in with something that's related to soft skills. So you could get like a minor in a language. You can get a minor in um, some sort of English would be, be actually be pretty cool. Philosophy would be really good for critical thinking. Um, try to really mix it up. Try to mix it up a little bit because it makes you a unique candidate. And if you can tie in your minor to practical world experience, even better. So imagine this. Imagine comparing person A who is a computer science major. They do some projects in GitHub. They do an internship. And they have two teacher recommendation letters. That sounds good, right? Person A sounds like a decent candidate for an entry-level job right out of college. Person B may not have a high GPA like person A, but they have two teacher recommendation letters. They have, uh, they're a computer science major with a minor in Spanish. They actually do community service for digital literacy for Spanish-speaking students in their community. They have a recommendation letter for the, for the people who run that program, right? And maybe they did some work in the university research department. So they did some research and had that published and they presented at conferences. Who do you think is gonna be a more interesting candidate? Person A or person B? Person A is going to get a job, no question. But who is more competitive? Person B. Person B is not just somebody who hit all the check marks. They have a more comprehensive view of someone who is ready for the workforce. They have real-world experience. They developed personality, skills, and behaviors that would make them a good candidate for soft skills, and technical skills, because they've shown that with their uh, computer science major that they can be trained in technical skill and they understand the theory. But on top of that, they have experiences from employers who've worked with them or program directors who have worked with them. They've, You know what I'm saying? Like you actually, when you read that person's resume, person B is a, just a more interesting candidate overall and could potentially provide a unique asset to the company. Because think about it, if a lot of people have, you know, computer science degrees, what makes you stand out? Think about the story behind your resume. What story do you want to tell? And I think the story is super important. So if your story is not just you hit all the check marks, you didn't really do a whole lot of stuff outside of your classes beyond a basic internship. But you instead of that, maybe you say, oh, like I traveled abroad and I want to serve, you know, an underserved community or underrepresented community. And, and I believe in representation and look at all the work that I'm doing to, to, to support these communities. Look at what I'm doing to in, in, in impact my community in a positive way. I'm really passionate about X, Y, and Z topics. And this is the community I'm building around this. You will knock your interviews out the park right out of college. So think about that. Think about your life story and how your, your studies and your experiences tell that story. Does that make sense? Like, and I, and I think if you did really well 
with your college application essays and like, you will be good at this because the goal is like to see your education and your experiences combined, telling, giving the, I guess the interviewer a full picture of what you care about, your passions and who you are and what you bring that's unique to the table that other people don't bring. I think that matters. Like that's actually a really important nuance to understanding the, how your college education fits into the bigger picture of your life. So anyway, um, that being said, I think that like understanding that your college degree does not limit you, it just gives you a gateway will probably be really, be really helpful too. Like your college degree, and this is like a mindset thing. Your college degree is not necessarily like what's going to hold you back in life. It's just an opportunity to network, an opportunity to advance. And it's like bare minimum entry to certain places. Bare minimum entry for certain jobs is a college degree. Getting that degree, that sheet of paper, just shows that you can start what you finish. Your experiences are what give the degree, meaning, and perspective. So that being said, what else? But moving forward, um, I would say like, I did not know this when I was a junior until I was a junior. So I had to look at the experiences of people who had gone to college before me and notice that trend. It, It didn't, it wasn't like I went to university thinking with this mindset. My family, since, you know, I'm African-American, majority of them don't even have college degrees. So my mom had two degrees. She has a master's degree. But my dad, I think he went to, I think he went to like a community college and got like a, an associate's degree or whatever. And that's not to say that he was dumb or unintelligent. It's just more so like he went and did a program that would teach him like a trade. And that's what he went and did. So that was really his focus, just employability. So I would say like, because the majority of my family historically has not had a college degree, it's still a big deal to get one. So my parents weren't teaching me strategy. My parents weren't teaching me what to do and what not to do. They did the best that they could. And for their time period, just being a black person with a college degree was way better than the average person. Now things are different. Now, as African-American, just having a college degree is not enough. You have to be strategic with the type of degree and the experiences that go with the degree and what you actually know about the way the world functions, right? And I think I see a lot of African-American kids going to school for degrees that are very soft, no shade. So like political science, psychology, social work, and these things. It has value, but you have to understand, you spent four or five years out of the workforce getting a degree that doesn't give you tangible real-world skills, and you're hoping that a job directly related to that degree is going to be available to you. What happens if it's not? What happens if you're in a recession? Those are the questions you got to ask. Like, what happens if you get this degree in social work, but nobody wants to hire another social worker or they put a freeze on hiring? What happens if you get a psychology degree and you don't really have the money to go to grad school quite yet? You still got to get a job, right? 
So what kind of job do you get? Have you even thought about it? And to be clear, the answer is not just getting a STEM degree because a lot of y'all are getting STEM degrees and you're basically very uninspired and you're having a hard time interviewing because you don't know the story of your life. You're not able to tell your life and can tell your life story and contextualize your education and experiences. So it's very difficult for you to communicate unique value to an employer. You're not, you don't have practice doing that. And it takes practice doing that and, and thinking strategically about how your education and experiences fit together. But it matters. Some of the kids, and, and you, actually it's a lot of the kids, a lot of the black kids I know who actually did get these like softer degrees and still got a good entry-level job, a lot of them, it's quite literally because they knew somebody. That was their foot in the door. With me, it was 100% hustle. And I mean straight hustle. You hear me? I'm One thing about me, I'm a real hustler. I could do consultations on this shit because I've been in the trenches. I've been in the trenches. I didn't have anybody to help me. My mom was a teacher. My dad was dead. That was it. I had nothing else but just straight up hustle and imagination for getting me where I wanted to go, period. What I did, and I'm going to tell you exactly what I did to help me get to a good spot and got an entry-level salary of like $60,000 a year right out of college. Here's what I did. I had an international relations major, right? And when I became a junior, I realized I had to course correct. So I became a resident assistant for three years. Um, I extended my college for like a year after. So I started in 2014, but I didn't finish until 2015. So I basically went to school for five years, not four, but I had a lot of time to make up. I'm be real with you. I had a lot of things to reconsider and shift and refocus. So my junior year, became a resident assistant, got in with a new crowd of kids. I was never involved with a bad group of kids. I'm just suggesting that I essentially had to connect with student leaders who had the best potential to becoming high-earning individuals or kids who were well-connected on campus, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it was very strategic on my part. And it paid for my rent, so I was able to save money. Anyway, um, became a resident assistant until I graduated. I then decided to focus on um, getting tangible skills that I that would make me more marketable. So, for example, since I had a social sciences degree, it was a Bachelor of Arts, I had to find a technical skill. The thing that made the most sense to me was statistics. So I chose... Um, computer applications for statistics and programming classes because it taught me a specific skill. I learned R, Python, and SAS. And I applied, I used those programming languages for building statistical models and doing basic data visualizations. It was a minor. I didn't fully finish the minor, but I, because I mean, a lot of times like with certain classes, only certain classes are available in certain parts of the year. But the point is, I did four of those programming classes, and I was able to use that as justification for essentially becoming more technically minded. And then what did I do? 
I decided to use my ability to do basic data cleaning and visualizations and all that kind of stuff to do undergraduate research. So I picked a topic that I wanted to analyze data around and then put together a presentation, wrote an abstract, and then presented that abstract for approval for a national conference. And I got that accepted. Are you seeing the train of thought? So my thought was, in order to be competitive, I have to show achievement. I have to show that I progressed in complexity and understanding of certain topics and then was able to complete something important. So what I did was, I said, okay, political science majors and international relations majors like to do research. I'm going to do a research project and present it at a national conference using the technical coding skills that I have, I should be able to compile data and clean it and present it. And that's what I did. I then, like y'all, this is a major hustle. I then went to find other students who were doing research projects that were more technical and became a co-contributor for those projects. Do you see, you see the hustle? You see how I was hustling? You see how I was hustling? Yeah, so. Did all that. By my senior year, I had done two internships. Both of them were unpaid, but I did not have a car. So the gag is I didn't have a car, so I could not drive to my internship. So I did two different internships, and then they were both unpaid. One of them was in the Chamber of Commerce, and that's where I basically networked with like small businesses and um, actually corporations as an intern there. And then my second internship was with a research center, which helped me then develop a research project to present my senior year. And I think I'm missing something else. It was some other stuff that I did too, but I forget. But anyway, the point is, I had technically done more than two internships, but that's not the point. The point is, the only thing that I regret in my college experience is not doing study abroad, but I literally couldn't afford it. I wanted to do a mathematics program so bad because they were going to like China. I wanted to go so bad, y'all. I just didn't have the money. I could not raise the money. And I was so heated because I had spent so, so much time, so many years helping other people. But when it came time to really give me the opportunity to do what I needed to do, it was like, I couldn't get the money for it. But anyway, it's fine. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. Long story short. Y'all, if hopefully you can kind of see the way I was able to finesse and hustle and be creative about generating opportunities for myself when I really didn't have the resources or the money that other people had. And the end result was I actually applied to a job. <laughs> Y'all, this is just the straightest. This is the most hustling. I'm the most hustling ass individual. I ended up applying to a job. No, I was recruited. No, I was recruited. So, you know, your, your school has like a job board. Okay. So in the job board, um, I had posted and kept my profile up to date. A company reached out to me and they were in manufacturing, which is crazy, right? But I was in manufacturing and they were looking for somebody to have like an operations type of job and it was a management job. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm, I can do that then. So I took that job because they were their benefits went stupid. Like their benefits were not bad at all. And they were actually willing to pay for me to relocate. 
that was like $4,000 in hand, period, lump sum. That's what got me to sign that contract. So I did basically a year-long contract with them, and they paid for me to move out of my parents' house. So I went from being stupid broke and only having a, a suitcase of clothes to my name and an air mattress to now having a full furnished apartment and all these other things, and I don't live with my parents. I haven't lived with my parents since 2019. And that was right before the pandemic when I moved out, by the way. So y'all, when I say the finesse is real with me, <laughs> I, sometimes I laugh at how much I was finessing. I've been finessing my whole life, it feels. I feel. So anyway, th that's just an example of the types of things you have to pull, but you got to be real savvy and smart with it. Like nobody is perfect. And I've made plenty of mistakes in my life, like plenty. But the point is you got to use everything available to you to maximize opportunities in college. Open as many doors as possible. Do as much as you can on campus. I was the most hustling ass woman on campus. Like there were so many opportunities that I found just by being in the right room at the right time. But the only way I found out about it is because I put myself out there so much. I created opportunities for myself. And to be honest with you, if I could go back in time, I would have moved a little bit differently because there were still some opportunities that I didn't understand were valuable until much, much later. But I was a kid. I was 20. 19. I didn't really know fully why what I was doing was important. Now as an adult, 26 years old, I totally see where I had my head in the right, right space. I just didn't have any guidance. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anyone to tell me like what I should do or advise me on my next steps the way that some people do. Like even just having parents who can help didn't have that either. So it was kind of like, I did what I could. So if you're a young person listening to this and you're like, okay, Faith, I hear you. I get what you're saying. You were able to accomplish a lot in a short period of time and get some money. I get that. But what about, what am I supposed to do? Like I'm already most of the way through my degree program. Um, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. First and foremost, if you were most of the way through your degree, degree program, which I was as well, hear me out. If I was you, let's say you're a junior or a senior. Start applying to today. Start applying yesterday for different programs, boot camps, startups, anything you can. The goal is to look for opportunities for people to train you for a specific skill. I think a lot of times y'all get so uncreative because you're just applying to jobs. You just want a job offer at graduation. What you should be focused on is opportunities to grow and develop into a role. So if you find a company that has a transitional program where they do two years and they do like a, it's like a rotation. Like they, they train you here, then they train you here, then they train you here. And then they finally give, they give you the option to pick the job you want. Those are the kind of programs that you want because they are truly investing in you to train you across different parts of the business. Those kind of rotational programs are really good. So if you do like a business development or sales program or marketing or Anything. Like, there's so many different programs out there that are like that. Look for that. Look for those opportunities. Um, if there is one thing I would suggest too is actually knowing what skills are valuable in the market and develop those now. Don't wait till graduation. Make this a huge priority for you. So, for example, 
There's opportunities for people to get in cybersecurity, even if you don't have a traditional cybersecurity background. So if you graduate and you don't really know what kind of job you're going to get, focus on getting a certification. Certification. Do not sleep. Do not waste time. You are late. Go ahead and get a project management certification. Um, you can probably get like a scrum certification or a certification in agile um, methodology. Those are really good to get that. That can get you like an entry-level project coordination type job. Um, if you're trying to get into cybersecurity, there's so many, and I mean so many programs that are training people for free. F-R-E-E. F-R-E-E. Free 99. Go find them, apply to them, try to get entry-level uh, cybersecurity, like a like a Security Plus certification. I would say maybe like the Network Plus might be the one you would want to get first, but that's a whole conversation for another day. The point is, look into that. Another entry-level certification you could look into if you want to get a pretty good paying job, look get, into, get the AWS uh, Cloud Practitioner certification. That's a good one. You can try the Google certification for it, Google Cloud, but I would get AWS. That's probably number one. And then number two, once you get the AWS one, then you can get the Google Cloud one. So yeah, those certifications that I mentioned, there's no age limit and there's no experience um, cap or experience limit on them. Meaning you don't, it's like the PMP certification for project management that takes certain years of experience that you can only get when you already have the job. Some certifications are like that. So I'm just telling you the certifications that you can get like today and test for today that'll help you out. And you can start with no experience. Um, I would also say Salesforce or ServiceNow, they have certifications that you can do. Um, get those certifications. Like there's so many different certifications out there. And I think skills that you can prove with the actual certification is what's going to get you an entry-level job somewhere, especially as a college grad, a new college grad. A lot of people are focused on just blindly applying to places. Be strategic. Um, if you want to work at a startup, I would say working at a startup when you're a college grad is actually pretty chill because, yeah, you'll be doing a lot of different types of work. And typically jobs at startups, they don't really have like a a specific role like they want you to apply for a job but there's so much flexibility in it and the roles are not well defined is what I'm trying to say so applying for a startup is a good way to expand your skill set very quickly do like a year and a half and then move on away from a startup to a more established company making way more like that's what a lot of kids are actually doing and a lot of kids are even getting their um, MBA or their master's degree while they're working at a tech startup, getting that title change. So they'll start out as like a brand manager, get that MBA, become a director. And then after they become a director at the startup, go to a different company making way more before the age of 30. It's totally possible. It's, it's totally possible. I've seen kids do it, especially kids in a certain crowd, but you got to know the pathway. Getting into tech is hard, but it's way easier when you are coming right out of college and you have certain certifications and skills. It's not easy, but nothing is in this economy. 
But yeah, moving beyond that though, what else would I say was like stuff that I would tell a young person if they're in college right now? Um, Oh, okay. 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 This is some good stuff. This is actually the juicy stuff. Let's get into the juicy stuff. So most people are going to date and mate and relate while they're in college. You know, there's no way to get around that. I would suggest not getting wrapped up in relationships in college until your senior year. The reason why is because I feel like a lot of young people, they get into these relationships the first two years of college just because they finally have freedom. And then they end up just smoking all the time and having sex in the, in the dorm. And it kind of ruins your perception and lowers your standards for relationships. Because a lot of times college boyfriends don't even have a ton of money to even spend on dates. So you're kind of just doing whatever is close by. Like I was noticing girls who have boyfriends in college go to the campus cafeteria and call them that a date. Like be so serious. You know what I mean? So, you know, just remember that like a lot of college dudes don't have a ton of money. So if you're going to have a boyfriend, wait until maybe towards your senior year. And if at all possible, try to get a boyfriend that's more stable or a partner that's more like stable financially because they're already out of school. I think that might be the better option because you can actually start to socialize yourself out of the college bubble before you graduate. That helps a lot. I'm so serious, y'all. It helps so much seeing that there's a world after college and befriending people, dating people who are outside of that college bubble. Super helpful. Um, so yeah, just remember that. Like, and I'm not saying that only girls listen to this podcast. Cause if you're, if you're a dude listening to this, the same thing goes for y'all as well. Don't get wrapped up in these college relationships, like totally fine to date, totally fine to explore and have a good time. Just be safe. And remember that like college is not going to last forever. So don't get wrapped up into having relationships and don't try to propose to people and get married right around college graduation. It's so cliche. It's fake. Most of these people's relationships don't even be working out. Like, don't worry about it. And two, I feel like, you know, when I was, you know, in my heyday, (laughs) in my heyday, I definitely did not date that much or at all until my senior year or like my junior year of college. And then my senior year, I was in a relationship. Now hear me out. That relationship was trash, but I did learn a lot. And I picked someone that was not going to distract me from my studies. Like I can truly say my boyfriend did not distract, my my ex-boyfriend did not distract me from what I was accomplishing. And I've been very fortunate to date dudes that Even though that one ex-boyfriend was really trash, I don't think I've ever dated anyone who was a bum, a lame, and or was going to distract me from my studies or jeopardize my life and career. Like, that's just never been my situation. I've always picked, like, pretty good dudes from that perspective. So I would consider that. Pick someone who puts their career first and who prioritizes growth. And they're going to make sure that you do the same. You know what I mean? Don't get anybody pregnant. Don't get STDs. Don't be sleeping around without protection. 
I would say sleeping around in college is actually overrated. In my opinion, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's, it's kind of overrated. Looking back, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend most of the time. But yeah, from and I remember too, when I was younger, I was seeing so many like people who were, I guess, dating in the friend circle. Like if you have a friend group and they would date somebody and then date the guy that they were friends with, it's just weird. It's just weird. If you're going to dip into the pot, dip into somebody else's pot. Don't crap where you eat. And remember, your reputation does precede you. So don't be the person dating around a ton on campus at your university. I wouldn't recommend it. Like I remember when I was in Ken- at Kennesaw, which is where I used to go to school, people who went from other schools could still know about you if you were popular enough. Like, if you were popular enough at Georgia Tech, people would know about you. If you were popular enough at Spelman, other kids at other schools would absolutely know about you. Be very careful. If you're trying to do, like, a Greek organization, not saying not to, just understand what comes with that and be aware that people will know about you. Your reputation will a thousand percent precede you. It it will. It absolutely will. If you're known for getting trashy at parties... That reputation precedes you. Do not have people, oh, that leads me to another point. Please do not have people recording you, posting you on TikTok, posting you on Snapchat, posting you on social media of any kind, especially when you're in that condition. If you're in a, like a Greek organization, you already know that's a huge no-no. Like you can't be seen getting drunk on social media, but even outside of that, right? It's not a good idea. It's a bad look. It ruins your reputation, Um, It could potentially hurt employment. Don't do anything for clout. Don't do, just don't do anything for clout. Be reasonable, right? Some things should never go online. Do not be the person that doxes individuals by posting screenshots and videos of other people's dating profiles online. Do not do that. Do not do that. Do not send nude videos and photos or don't send, you know, content of yourself to other people in college. I don't care how well you think you know them. Do not do it. Please, for the love of God, don't do it. I knew a girl who, well, I had heard, well, I don't know if I, I can, I don't know if I can say I know her. Let me not say that. I'll just say there was a situation where a young lady had shared a video of herself doing something sexual with her boyfriend to her boyfriend. And then her boyfriend posted it in a group chat of thousands of people. Like I said, do not show illicit pictures and photos, content at all. Do not give it to anybody ever. I know you're going to feel pressure to. Don't do it. You have no idea where people are going to put that content. Be very, very careful. Um, Is there anything else I would like to say about that? No, I think that's it. I think that's it. So, yeah, I mean, I know you'll be you'll feel pressured to, like, get in relationships and stuff. But I would say just date around. Don't go anywhere with somebody in private unless you know them very, very well. Stop inviting any and everybody to your dorm. I promise you, as somebody who used to be an RA, we get noise complaints, assaults, crazy stuff happens because y'all are not using common sense. And this is going for women and men. I don't care what your gender identity is. Do not invite people over to your dorm 
like that. Don't. Don't. Be very careful who you participate in substances with, too. I would say that. Be very, very careful. If you're doing this stuff on college campuses, you can get caught and you can get in trouble. Stop doing that kind of stuff on college campuses. It's not a good look. It's not. Um, so yeah, I would say that's probably the biggest things. <laughs> oh, and um, moving on to the final topic, because I think, I mean, there's so much I could say when it comes to dating and relationships in college, but maybe it might have to be its own separate video and own separate like podcast episode. We're just going to move on to finances. So the last thing I would probably want to comment on is like finances. I think that when you're in college, you don't have good spending habits a lot of times, and you may just be super broke. Despite that, you will have jobs. You will have opportunities to make money. If you can figure out a way to establish good habits now, it will help you so much later. If you are in college now, go ahead and start learning how to save money now. Learn how to invest now. It's never too early. Like, seriously, it's never too early. Never too early. I read the book, uh, The Psychology of Money, highly recommend it. And it actually talks about the compounding effect that interest has. Like, uh, Warren Buffett, apparently, is a billionaire, but most of his billions didn't come until after the age of 65. He was a millionaire at 30 because he invested consistently in the stock market since he was a child. That's the effect that compounding interest has. So if you want to see that, start as soon as possible investing money now. And I mean now, <laughs> like today, even if you can only put aside a few dollars a month because you're super broke, doesn't matter. Something is better than nothing. Um, you can even set this so when you have your part-time job, you can actually make some, uh, I guess, arrangement where your money goes directly to an account, to multiple accounts, and it'll break up your paycheck based off of that. Highly recommend it. I still do that to this day. I'll have some of my check go to one account, a percentage of my check go immediately into savings, and then some of my paycheck just goes to a, a third account, which is just for bills. So trust and believe. <laughs> I employ this tactic myself and it works wonders. Um, is there anything else for, for finances? Oh, yes. Make sure you're heavily acquainted with financial aid and whatever scholarships are available. Don't just stop applying to scholarships when you get to college. Like You can always qualify for grants and scholarships while you're in university. So your second or third year, keep applying. If you have a good GPA, keep applying to stuff. Um, what else? Yeah, that's probably some of the biggest stuff, honestly. Make sure you are quick to go to the financial aid office. Save records for financial aid. Even if it means you have to print out stuff, save the receipts. Save the receipts. Don't ever think that you can't be falsely charged for something that you didn't buy or whatever. And for the love of God, do not buy books from the campus bookstore, y'all. Not unless you have to. Now, some universities have gotten smart and have start to start, started to basically have professors sell their own books. 
in the campus bookstore. And that's, that's the criteria. Like that's like the curriculum. The curriculum is the professor's book that you have to buy for the class. Some universities are like that, but there are situations where you can just get the book online for free somewhere or for an extremely reduced price. Price, I would say take that into consideration. Don't just buy books. Don't just buy materials and stuff in the campus bookstore or wherever. Really think about it. Like really think about if what you're doing is worth it and if you can't get it anywhere else or just get it from another student for, for a really cheap price. Um. So yeah, I, oh, ooh, ooh. Okay, I just remember something else. One thing that really had me in a chokehold when I was in college was like eating at the campus um, Chick-fil-A. We had a Chick-fil-A on campus and it was fantastic, y'all. I would spend so much money there every week, constantly getting Chick-fil-A. And I would I would say that I regret that. I, I regret spending so much money on Chick-fil-A and other, I guess, like restaurants so please be mindful of that too. Like you don't need to eat out every single day. I know it's college, so you're not going to be cooking as much, especially if you're you're living on campus and you don't have a kitchen or something. But that doesn't mean that you should eat out all the time. If you can, if you can, and I mean only if you can. See if you can get a crock pot and cook some stuff in the crock pot. Like seriously, like y'all can cook chicken and rice in the crock pot. Just get you some chicken, some chicken uh, legs or whatever, and then season it up real good. Put some chicken broth in there and some rice or something like you. There's there's options. What I don't want you to get accustomed to is like eating out constantly because it is so expensive. It's so expensive. And typically those campus dining plans are not worth it. Like I get why you would think they're worth it, but most of the time the food is garbage. You'd be better off packing a lunch. That's like thousands of dollars a year that you're saving. So anyway, I hope some of this advice is really helpful to you. And we can talk more about career and because career stuff, that's a whole situation right there. But the, the whole point of me doing this podcast episode was just to share um, a little bit of the knowledge that I've gained and some of the experiences that I've had. And I probably am going to do a part two to this because there's literally so much to talk about. Like there's so much to say about my college experience, what was what worked and what didn't work. But a lot of it comes down to if you can, please find someone that you trust to talk to you and, and help you along your journey. I made so many mistakes because I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have someone to ask about this kind of stuff. And I think it hurt me in the long term. So if you have uh, someone that you can talk to, great. If you don't, then definitely find someone, whether it's a mentor or just someone that you know. But if you can, try and find it. Because some of us, we didn't really have a ton of family members to go to college. So you kind of just going based off of whatever you think is good in the moment, not what actually is proven to work. So that being said, I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. Look forward to maybe like a part two about this and I will talk to you later. See you guys in the next one. Oh, 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 before I go, before I go, please rate this podcast five stars because you enjoyed that much. You can review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you get them. Of course, 
DM me with your thoughts, DM me with your perspectives. You can email me at uh, it's ITS more than potential at gmail.com. So if you have any questions or thoughts or feedback, feel free to either DM me on Instagram or you can actually email me. All right. That being said, now I'm going to go. I'll talk to you guys in the next one. Bye.